Now you could chop up raw onions like green onions, the end part, you could chop them up very fine and you could put those in there and that would work as well. Okay, I'm going to toss in some parsley. Now I may put a little more parsley than I would the others. Now actually, these are, this dill weed here is, yeah. Different than what we get. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have it chopped up small. That's even better. Thank you. Okay, and we're going to just kind of mix that up just a little bit. Big part? Want more dill? Uh, no, I think that ought to be fine. That's fresh, so that might be a little more potent. Mix it a little bit more. Now, when you put in your uh, lemon juice, does anybody know what lemon juice does when you mix it with um, uh, nut butters or seed butters? What? It thickens it. That's right. So you may have to put in more uh, water afterwards. We'll see what happens. Might be a little too much. That might be a little tart. I like it. <laughs> My wife and I have a thing. I like just a hint of lemon. She likes it flooded with lemon. <laughs> okay. I'll taste it after a while, but you can see it makes a nice, a nice dressing, and it's nice and thick. Has a wonderful fragrance to it. I've had many people tell me that they don't miss ranch dressing when they have this one. Yeah, it's really. This is just um, tahini, tahini dressing. dressing. Uh, and you can I, actually, I called it raised delight. It's a, a variety of experiments. Yes. Questions. Do you ever uh, taste your food as you're cooking it? I don't anymore, but it's a very handicap to a gourmet cook. But uh, I just, I'm not one of these people that can put it in my mouth and spit it out. I, you know, I mean, to me, that wouldn't even be tasting it. So I just don't. I wait and, and uh, I taste it at a meal. And if I feel like it needs to be doctored up, I do it at that moment. I, I can't say that I haven't because there's sometimes, if I know I'm having company, I want to make sure it's right. I'll taste it and then spit it out and then rinse my mouth out because um, uh, I want to make sure it's correct for them. Okay, I think that just about does this, doesn't it? Now, what is this here? Um? Okay, now for those, of, yes. Is this one you're doing in the, in the uh, folder? Yes. Yes. Um, these here are uh, those of you who asked for copies, and um, some of you I cannot remember. So, and uh, she has put uh, a little like ten pence or sixty pence or something because there is a cost to uh, Gaisley here, and uh, you can see that I got a lot of paper involved, so they will be charging for these papers. But some of you that have a health problem and I told you that I have something on it in paper, I will have that for you. There's only a couple that I don't have and that was on uh, ladies special problems. I don't have that one with me. If you give me your name and address, I'll be glad to mail it to you. Alright, uh, at this time my husband's going to do a little stretching exercise. <laughs> okay. 
Now, uh, today, after we do a little stretching, uh, apparently we're going to have some music. Is that correct? Yes. And there's going to be somebody that's going to sing for us and uh, kind of give you a break from all the talking and get a little music going. But, but first of all, I'd like, I know you've been sitting for a while, but I'd like you all to stand up. That's it. And uh, we'll go through this series of exercises again. Uh, there's, there's plenty of more exercises that we can do, but we're so close. I'm just going to give you the ones that we can do in close, okay? All right. Okay, first of all, let's stretch the torso. Get on the tiptoes and reach up as high as you can, like you're picking fruit. You want to get that apple that's at the top of the tree. That's it. Hey, boy, a lot of you folks are tall. <laughs> okay, and now. Okay, and now. Remember about the back. You want to keep the back straight. Now, have you been trying that? Okay, put your arms straight out. Raise your arm up and back, and now your back is nice and straight. Okay, let's try it again. Out in the front, up and back and down. And at the same time you're straightening out the back, you're, you're loosening up the joints in, uh, in your shoulder. Okay, now, dynamic tension. Hands behind the head. Okay, begin to press to the count of seven. Begin. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. That should help relieve the tension in the neck. Okay. Now put the hands on the forehead. Okay. And remember, we start to press at the count of beginning. Okay. Begin. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Now, put our hands in the front. Okay. And begin now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Boy, doesn't that feel good? You're <laughs> sitting there not doing anything. Okay, your left hand pushed up and your right hand down. Okay, muscle against muscle. Okay, begin. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, right hand up, left hand down. Okay, begin. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Now, hands on the hip. <coughs> Put the hands on the hip. That's it. Now, I want you to look to your left and look at your right heel. Remember, keep your legs straight. And look as much as you can to your left heel. See, look, see if you can see your, your right heel, rather. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, front. <coughs> Look to your right and look at your left heel at the bottom. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And front. Okay, now stick your right foot out as best you can or take it off the floor and 
want you to turn it to your right. Twist it to your right. One, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Now to the left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and down. Now, left foot up. To the right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. To the left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, if you hear something cracking, don't let that bother you. Okay, now sit down. What is it they call the uh, Orientals call it kimchi? Exercises that you can do each and every day. Good. We're going to sing about the eight doctors. Good health is our treasure, and what's more, it's free. If thoughtful and guarded, how healthy we'll be. I'm happy, I'm happy, and if you ask why, I've been to eight doctors, will be my reply. The first doctor playfully tussled my hair. He said, leave the city and get some fresh air. The second was warm as he beamed down on me. He said, why buy makeup when sunshine is free? I'm happy, I'm happy, and if you ask why, I've been to eight doctors, will be my reply. The third careful doctor prescribed temperance, and since then, when tempted, I said, get the hens. The fourth doctor cancelled our evening date. He said, get some sleep now, you've stayed up too late. I'm healthy, I'm happy, and if you ask why, I've been to eight doctors, will be my reply. The fifth doctor pointed to the bountiful field and planned me a menu from all it would yield. The sixth doctor said, enough of just talk. Come now, put your shoes on, let's go for a walk. I'm healthy, I'm happy, and if you ask why, 
I've been to eight doctors, will be my reply. The seventh good doctor just gushed with advice. He said, drink it, bathe in it, water is nice. The eight kind doctor just smiled with a nod. He said, all things work together if you just trust in God. I'm healthy, I'm happy, and if you ask why, I've been to eight doctors, will be my reply. I'm healthy, I'm happy, and if you ask why, I've been to eight doctors, will be my reply. Thank you so much. I've received a good blessing out of that, that's for sure. <clears throat> well, today, um, I wonder if um, there's someone that I could have them to put these overheads on for me. Now, before we get started today, I want to review, yes, uh, I want to review a little bit about the uh, digestion that we had yesterday, um, and go over this just a slight bit. Digestion is vitally important because of why? Because a big share of disease, sickness, and death, that's where it usually starts, is right in the digestive system. A malfunctioned digestive system can cause us a lot of problems. So let's just go through some of the uh, things that we need to investigate uh, as far as our digestive system. Number one, we need to chew thoroughly. Chew thoroughly and to uh, mix the saliva with the food so it will be pre-digested before it hits the stomach. Number two, um, Eat slowly. Number three, don't drink meal, uh, fluids with the meals. Now, why did, why did we mention that yesterday? Dilutes the hydrochloric acid, dilutes the digestive juices, doesn't it? And so it takes much longer for the food to digest. Okay, no real hot or cold uh, food. Uh, nothing between meals. And, and why did we say not to eat between meals? Because it delays the digestion, and then it's got to go back and start all over, and therefore the food stays in the stomach a lot longer than it would ordinarily. Okay, eat at regular times. Now, whether we like it or not, friends, we are uh, we like schedules. Our body likes the schedule, and if we eat at the same time or within the same time span every day, uh, the digestive juices start flowing before we start eating. And so it prepares the stomach for the food that's going to be coming in. Plus the, plus the fact that we, have, we start having a better regularity in our elimination. And uh, that's another reason why we want to think about eating at the same time. Eat moderately. Remember, temperance is not only in abstinence of harmful foods, but it's moderation even in the good foods. 
uh, take a walk after each meal. Now, not everybody can do that. Now, we're not saying exercise after each meal. We're talking about a stroll. Now, if you uh, exercise after eating, what happens? Because you, okay, because you see, the blood has rushed to the stomach to help digest the food, and if you start exercising, what's the blood going to do? It's going to go to the limbs where you're doing the stress and strain, isn't it? So it's going to delay the uh, digestion. So don't walk, uh, rock, walk fast or don't jog, but maybe just stroll. Sometimes that helps to aid the digestion. Um, let's see, uh, eat fruits and vegetables separate. Now we mentioned that and, by, and at the end of this lecture today we're going to point out, I have an overhead that's going to point out to you some of the differences, yes. Well, let's look at it this way. Uh, if we get too far off, maybe the best thing is not to eat. Yes, go ahead. One of the reasons that God's people are to be living in heartless closely when they're able is so that when they are ministering to others, that they will be able to stay up late and that they will be able to miss a meal or something like that. Because when you are ministering to uh, people, um, there are times that you get in that situation, and if you're in that situation, you couldn't tell someone, well, now you just wait right here until I go so I can stay on schedule. So there are times when you're in the ministry, but basically that's why God gave us the health message too, is so that we would be healthy people that we could minister to others. I, I agree with what you're saying, sister, just to balance it back the other way is my wife and I got to the situation where we couldn't live the health message because we were up till 11 o'clock each night giving Bible studies. So we did have to come to the point where with a few people we said, we're going to have to come earlier or later. We can't keep coming at that time. So you've got to just work out Yeah, I think the best, the best uh, idea in this case is preparation and knowing where we're going and what we're going to do. And if we know we're going to be somewhere, take some fruit or something. Or try, I think even carrying fruits, nuts, and stuff like that with us, just in case those situations, like I was talking about the tahini with us. We have to look ahead. But if, the, if the, we do get in the situation, maybe sometimes it's best to miss the meal rather than uh, go and eat at, uh, at, a, at a real late hour at night or something of that sort. Now, we're not setting cement on not three meals a day. We're saying that two meals are the best. Now, when we have... <clears throat> If we uh, feel that we haven't got enough nourishment, or if we feel that we've missed a meal, we may have fruit in the evening ourselves, our crackers. So, uh, but the two meal a day is, is the best. Okay. Um, eat breakfast like a what? A king. Lunch like a prince. And supper like a pupper. That's right. Okay. Now, uh, we need to eat when we're relaxed and happy. Now, the Bible talks about this, you know, not to eat when there's a lot of st things stirred up and anger and confusion and what have you. 
uh, it's not good to eat in that, that element. In fact, I always, we always like to, when we're having a meal, we don't like to answer the phone if possible, but uh, what we do is we put on nice music, Christian music, or some nice classical music, and we try to relax and try to get rid of all the other problems that uh, surround us so we can eat in a nice uh, atmosphere. Uh, and it, it would do good with us. And you know, there's a, one of the problems we have today is a lot of fathers. Now, I'm, and I say this because I've been in that boat, so tied up in business that I was never there to eat with my children. I ate breakfast with them maybe if they got up real, real early and uh, we ate breakfast sometime, but uh, I regret some of the things, the steps that I took because business took precedence when I was a younger man. But uh, I think that men today, we need to focus in on spending the meals with our children, with our family, with our wives. Spend that time where we can talk to one another, get to know each other. That's where we really get to know each other, isn't it? When we eat over food and talk and chat. And um, I'm sure many of us have failed in that area before. Um, eat when happy and relaxed. Eat high fiber foods. This is why we're having a lot of problems today because we're not eating enough high fiber foods. We're eating too many processed foods, too many meats. Meats do not have the fibers in it. And um, <clears throat> we're eating uh, uh, too many of those things. Okay, don't eat irritating spices, which we've went over through some of those, cinnamon, nutmeg. Uh, beg your pardon? Cloves. Cloves. Those type of things, because they're, they're peppers, those type of things are irritating to the stomach and the stomach lining. Okay, don't eat fermented foods. Now, there's several things that fall under fermenting. There's soy sauce, cheese, believe it or not, is fermented because it has to be aged. There's several things that are fermented. But you can replace those things. As you've seen yesterday, we had a different type of cheese that you could eat that isn't fermented. It's all healthy things. Um, sauerkraut. And uh, there's also, uh, like soy sauce, you can get other uh, products to replace soy sauce. Yeah. I don't believe tofu is fermented that I know of. If, when you taste it, it, does it taste fermented? Tempura, you're thinking of uh, tempura? this one that is uh, not tofu. Okay, unless you know something that we don't. If you do, we'd no, appreciate the, know what I mean if she has some information that we could always use. Uh, now, it talks about eating a variety of foods. Now, it, when it talks about eating a variety, wide variety of foods, it doesn't mean all at one time. Uh, if you want to get uh, the correct amount of nutrients, you have to eat a variety of foods, foods throughout the week. And, uh, but at each meal, we never recommend over four varieties of foods, if possible, over four different varieties of foods. But throughout the week, you should eat an ample amount of beans, and ample, uh, legumes, an ample amount of grains, and greens and fruits and vegetables, a variety of those, yes. What do you mean by a variety? Because sometimes when my wife's preparing, she says we've got a few too many varieties here, so she makes a toss salad, and then that's just one, <laughs> and we have a few more things. I mean, what, what do you mean by a variety? Well, you could have a, a, a large variety just in, uh, in one dish, in a casserole. So you have a complicated dish. Yeah. Yeah, complicated dishes. 
But uh, usually what we usually like to do, this is for us now, of course, we like to have one cooked dish with just salads and a salad and raw vegetables. And uh, maybe a spread of some kind. And that's usually plenty for us, basically. Yeah, that, that cooked dish might have uh, six or seven ingredients. You still count that? that yes. Uh, yes, you could. You could count that as, as the uh, different ingredients. So uh, you want to be careful of uh, too many varieties. But there again, see, we need to listen to our body language. See, what uh, I might be able to handle, maybe someone else can't. And so we don't want to set people in cement. We're just saying this is probably the better way to do it. Okay? Okay, would you uh, put the next one on? Now, because of the way our diet is today, and we're going to speak a little bit on temperance, and we just mentioned what temperance is. Uh, here we find in the statistics, they're finding that the age of coronary heart disease is getting lower and lower all the time. And uh, we find that at 28, there's a 21.8% of a chance of a person 28 years old having uh, uh, coronary uh, artery problems. But I want to say, friends, this is an old statistic. They're getting younger. And uh, my wife, I believe you showed them this morning, the arteries and uh, how they're clogged. Even when you're a child or a teenager, you're starting those arteries, if they have bad habits, are starting to clog up. And uh, so we really need to take a second look at it. The average person today, when they're 90, 70 years old, have a 91% chance of having coronary uh, heart attack or occlusions. And, uh, but you see, that doesn't need to be, because the good news is it can be reversed. Okay, would you show me the second one? Now, the other thing with the improper diet and fats, and we'd like to focus in on fats, my wife focused in on that today, is that cancer. It's a tremendous heart disease and cancer. Now, they took a statistics, and people that are meat eaters or flesh eaters, they find that they use a lot more insurance, and as the doctors, a lot more. Now, I would like to say, if they really want, to, want an answer, to the health uh, uh, insurance problem today, the Adventists have it. If, we, if what we need to do today is educate people to live a better lifestyle so they don't have to capitalize on the health insurance. But today, most people are not worried about what they eat or drink or smoke. They're worried about have, being covered with insurance. Now, you folks don't have that problem in this country. But in America, people are paying as high as two to three to four hundred dollars a month, friends, for insurance for themselves and their families. And the older you get, the higher it goes. But the real answer is educating people to uh, to have a better lifestyle. You can see right here, heart disease is leading out. But you know, cancer itself is catching up. Cancer, and believe it or not, TB is making another return, and they're having. To a tremendous epidemics in the larger cities, in the, especially with street people in the United States. But you can see at the end of the year, I mean, there's an annual cost of $60.9 for those that are flesh eaters rather than uh, vegetarian type people. Okay, could you put the next one on, please? Now, my wife spoke to you about milk and eggs about cancer, and this is one of the uh, things that they had found. In 1975, they used to go and take supermarket samples and take them back to the laboratory and test them just to see what was on the open market. And this is what they had found. They found that seven out of 10 uh, samples contained cancer viruses. Now, this is in 1975. 
We're talking about 20 years ago. And uh, <clears throat> now they have many more diseases other than the cancer virus. They found that the, there was more than 30 diseases that were traced to milk. Now I want to ask you, friends, is it time to get off of those products? Yes. You bet it is. I mean, we don't have to be hit upside the head with a club to know when it's time. And we were told the time will come at the very close of Earth's history. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt, we're in that time right now. A person ingests this type of food. Even though it's a, it's a leukemia virus, you may not get leukemia. It may come out as some other type of cancer. So never think that you, uh, because you don't get leukemia, you're not going to get cancer. It could come out as cancer in the weakest part of everybody, a genetic weakness in everybody's body. One person may have a weakness in their, uh, uh, maybe in the liver. Another person a weakness in their kidneys. Another weak, uh, genetic weakness somewhere else. And this could be where the cancer virus strikes, especially if you are uh, uh, filled up with toxins or you have a poor elimination. The highest cancer rate, believe it or not, is among farmers that have uh, uh, milk-producing stock are eggs and poultry farms. And why? And it's naturally because they eat their products. Okay, would you shift over to the next one, please? I'm just going to show you. This is a headline. This is one headline out of hundreds. We have a multitude of headlines and newspaper clippings and scientific reports linking, definitely linking, uh, fat to not only prostate cancer, but also to breast cancer. Okay, the reproduction organ type thing. Could you uh, put the next one up, please? <clears throat> well, I didn't realize that was the next one, but uh, that's good. Uh, you can see it's not just Adventists that are saying this. This is not just vegetarians that are saying this. Here are some of the highest men as far as influence in the medical profession today that are telling us the very same thing. And I'd like for us to glean over it. Diet is the number two killer of Americans, Dr. Mc, uh, Michael McGinnis, Department of Health and Human Resources. That comes from the United States government, Department of Health and Human Resources. Uh, the dietary factors responsible for cancer are principally meats and fats intake. Dr. Gio B. Gori, Cancer Research of the National Cancer Institute. So you see, this is not just uh, health educators from the Adventist Church or from other groups. This is men of renown that have studied medicine throughout the ages. Uh, in regions where their meat is scarce, cardiovascular disease in time, uh, is unknown. Times Magazine, 1984. Now, uh, could you uh, maybe push that up a little bit so everybody, thank you. Uh, a vegetarian diet can prevent 97% of the coronary occlusions. Now this is the AMA, American Medical Association. And uh, usually they frown on it when you start trying to bring in diet uh, to cure people from these different types of diseases. But here they even have admitted in themselves that uh, you can prevent 97% uh, coronary occlusions by uh, be having a vegetarian diet. Now, if you recall what Mrs. Heathman said the other day, Dr. Henson said that if we could obey one tax, we could almost eliminate heart disease and cancer. Do you remember what tax that was? Where? 
Right. Leviticus 3.17. Ye should eat. It's a per, uh, a, uh, a per what? Perpetual. Thank you. It's a perpetual statute. With you and all your generations that you eat neither fat nor blood. Well, friends, I want to tell you this. We're all Adventists here today, so I'm, I'm sure, aren't we? <laughs> you take uh, in Deuteronomy. It says that those who are eating fat and blood will be cut off out of the camp. Remember the requirements? Cut off and out of the camp. I want to ask you today, where can you buy meat and flesh foods without meat or without blood and fat? Can you buy it without blood and fat? So you see, it isn't the meat. It's the blood and fat. Because see, that, re that represents sin. So we need to take that in consideration. Okay, the main villain in diabetes is uh, the enormous amounts of fat. Dr. Hans Steele, international knowns researcher and health educator, which I'm sure most of you folks uh, are acquainted with. Now, some years they did a, a study. Uh, the scientists wanted to find out, or the government, they wanted to find out where can we find a group of vegetarians that uh, we might be able to um, give a test on to find out the difference between those that don't eat flesh foods and those that do. And so they realized that the only people they could really go to were Adventists. And so they did a research on Adventists in the state of California. And this is what they came up with. They found that those that were total vegetarians had 14% left. I mean, uh, uh, 14, only 14% 14 of the cancer and coronary, uh, can, uh, coronary heart disease. Uh, Lacto-ovals had only 39%. The biggest majority was uh, meat eaters, which had 55%. Now, the interesting thing, the, there's statements out that say that those that are total vegetarians will live 8 to 9, 10 years longer. But let me tell you, it's longer than that. And now they're finding out it's 20 years to 25 years. If they treat themselves right and do the right exercise, yes. It's interesting. I have a book which is produced by one of the authors. It's called The Relate Encyclopedia of Vegetarian Living, and all of this is in it. Is that right? Available in this country in Smith's and Billups. Isn't that amazing? It's a terrific book. And I was stunned. I was looking in the index just to see what was in there, and I saw Seventh day Adventist. I thought, wow. What's the name of it? Isn't that something? Well, what's the date on it? Are we able to get it? Yeah, it's a very new book. I've only just bought it. Well, it looks fine. Well, then apparently this information is not just held to Adventists. Yeah, it's really interesting. Thank you so much for that comment. I appreciate it. And uh, as far as the cancer rate, we found that in California, the total vegetarians had less than 9%. And you know why? Because if if they're not putting it in, they're not going to get it. Because you see, cancer viruses come from animals. Like cholesterol comes from animals. That's the only place that you get it. Uh, other cholesterols that we have in our body is only what our body makes. Our body will make a certain amount of cholesterol. But most cholesterols, it come from animal products, not from vegetable products. Okay, lacto-ovo vegetarians, 25% uh, passed away from cancer. But there again, you see the animal products. If the animal has the disease, friends, 
it's only natural, it's going to be in the byproducts. Now, they may say they pasteurize it, but let me tell you, they do not pasteurize it at a high enough temperature at a long enough time in order to kill those viruses. Okay, the meat eaters in that, in that uh, state uh, passed away. 50% of them were, were meat eaters. Okay, could you put the next one up, please? Please, the phagocytes first. Now, my wife was talking a little bit about the immune system, and um, uh, not, maybe I better. just a minute. <clears throat> Actually, what I was trying to do is, is implement two different types of lectures in today, and then I had a little bit confused there, and it wasn't my wife's fault. Now, uh, I won't use that, that for just a moment. <clears throat> I won't need that uh, for just a moment, so I'm going to use the blackboard. <clears throat> now, first of all, we want to find out what do some of these fats do um, as well as giving us cancer and as well as uh, causing us coronary heart problems, we're going to find out what other what fats and other uh, food products do to our body. Now, <clears throat> our body, as you remember, is 75% uh, what? It's 70% water, but chemistry-wise, what is it? 75% alkaline. Remember I mentioned that the other day? 25% what? Acid. Acid. Okay. Now, when we eat over an abundance of acid, what happens is our body chemistry is out of balance and we end up with uh, maybe more toxemia because of having excess acid. And this is what happens. <clears throat> We're going to uh, see, I think there's uh, uh, some overhead here on acid and alkaline. I would like to use those. Uh, just bear with me. I'm going to draw this diagram, if you don't mind here. from back there very well. Okay, <clears throat> how many of you are familiar with the pH scale? You familiar? Okay, here's the pH scale. Now, anything below seven is acid. Anything above seven is alkaline. Anything above that is alkaline. And your blood basically is a 7.2 to 7.4 alkaline condition. <clears throat> now, 
If you get too much alkaline or if you get too much acid, you're usually in trouble. And so the blood has to stay at a pretty much of a balance. And so what happens is the liver tries to keep that in balance <clears throat> as well. Now, if you get too much acid in your system and the liver starts getting too filled up with, with tox toxins, it says this, I'm too full, I gotta get rid of some of this stuff, I can't keep pumping it back into the blood. So what it does, <clears throat> it moves it up to, to where? What, what are those called? <coughs> the cells. And so it starts building up toxins in the cells of the body in order to store it because you're getting too much. When the cells get too much, the cells say, well, now, wait a minute, I have to get rid of this toxins. It's in my, you know, what am I going to do with it? So it starts putting it into the, <coughs> what? The tissue. And then, <coughs> excuse me, is this my order? Thank you. And so when it gets into the tissues, then we start getting rashes. We start getting maybe boils or pimples or something of that sort. Because this is trying to come out. And this is why we're supposed to what? Perspire. To get those things out of our system. <coughs> but if a person is not perspiring by exercising or what have you, if they're not doing any of those things, then they're going to have a buildup of toxins in their system. And the liver can get overloaded. Now, <coughs> let's put down there the uh, different acids. Okay, here's a lot of the acid foods. <coughs> um, definitely alcohol. Uh, all grains are acid except millet. Now you need acid. So let's don't get the idea we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to have acid. We're supposed to have an acid balance in our system. <coughs> um, breads are acid. Buckwheat, uh, candy, all cheeses, uh, cherries, chicken, codfish, all, all fish, all dairy products, all meats, all poultry. <coughs> Those are all acid. Coffee, <coughs> excuse me, crackers, <coughs> excuse me, um, eggs, uh, macaroni, because that is a, uh, a grain. Hominy is a grain. Um, see, tapioca, vinegar, and uh, sugar also is an acid. The sugar is also an acid as well. Uh, we can see there's a variety of acid-type foods on there. <clears throat> now, how can we reverse that process? Does anybody venture to say? How can we reverse that process? If we have an, an acid... Yes, sir. I told him. How? Somebody said something here just... Okay, you would want, naturally want to reverse it to eat more alkaline, wouldn't you, to reverse the process. <clears throat> so what kind of uh, alkaline uh, foods do we have? Let's look at the alkaline. Okay, we find there's a, quite a variety of alkaline. And uh, as you look on there, you can see there's uh, legumes uh, up there, uh, certain nuts. Now, some nuts are acid, which is uh, walnuts are acid. But you see, almonds are uh, not acid, and actually, uh, Brazil nuts are not, they're alkaline. Uh, you have a, quite a variety, carob, instead of the chocolate, that would be a good one. Uh, now, there's ways that you can expedite uh, eliminating the acid condition in your system to purify the blood. And uh, one of those ways are with uh, 
uh, red clover, red clover tea, uh, yellow dock. You have it all around here. We see all kinds of yellow dock and uh, clover and, and uh, plantain uh, that you can make teas out of that will also help that. Uh, there's dandelion. That also helps. But you can see you have quite a variety of different uh, uh, foods in the alkaline uh, department there. Okay. Now, what I'm going to ask you, or show you here, if you will, just bear with me for just a minute. What are some of the other things that fats, now remember fats are alkaline, drugs are alkaline. I mean acid, a big part. Fats are acid and so are drugs are acid as well. <coughs> But here are some of the other things that the reason why you can't uh, uh, digest protein and why fat has a detrimental effect on your system. Number one, the protein, when you're eating protein, if it is surrounded by fat, it makes it very hard for the digestive juices to be able to digest that particular protein element. Now, if you have a high fat diet, this is what happens to your uh, red blood cells. Now, red blood cells, they do what? Anybody remember what they do? Carry oxygen. And if you do not have enough red blood cells, you don't have enough oxygen, means you don't have enough energy, doesn't it? Because the oxygen is what gives you the energy, the oxygen and the water. Water and oxygen. Oxygen is H2O, okay, which has oxygen in it. Okay, this is what happens. You have uh, say you have, uh, let's put five red blood cells, okay? You have five red blood cells, and you have a diet of, of uh, fatty diet meal. Now, do you remember the uh, overhead that my wife just showed you a while ago, this morning? Uh, did you show them the one on the hours uh, you eat a fatty diet, and then after you eat the fatty diet, your blood gets real thick with red blood cells? The reason is because that fat surrounds each blood cell like this. Do you know what it does when it surrounds the blood cell? Huh? That's right. It makes the blood cells clump together. Do you know why it makes them clump together? Because you have a negative charge in your body. And the negative charge keeps the red blood cells separated. And as soon as you eat the fat, and it surrounds the red blood cells, what does it do? Cuts off the negative charge. And they all stick together. And the blood becomes very sticky. And this is why that you have poor circulation when your blood is sticky, because you've cut off the negative charge, the blood is sticky, and it's, the, the fluid motion is very slow. And that's why we try to get people to cut down. Now, the mono and Apollo and saturated fats don't do that. But the saturated fats, that's where your culprit is. Because they emulsify much better than the, the, the saturated fats. Okay, would you... Uh, now, um, I'd like to put the other one up there first before I put those. Yeah, the calcium part there. I just wanted to put another overhead up on here for you to show you some of the good uh, uh, sources of calcium. Now, we're telling you to stay off of the milk, off the eggs, uh, but we want to show you what you can replace it with. Now, number one replacer would be this, greens. Remember? Where does the cow get its green? It's calcium. From the greens. 
And you see, the, the cow has no problem with, uh, with calcium problems, do they? We need approximately 8% of calcium in our blood. If we don't have that, we're in trouble. But we don't need to take large amounts of calcium, and we don't need to drink large amounts of milk. When we do, we end up with physical problems. You drink too much milk, your body doesn't simulate all of it. Did you go through the protein process? But anyhow, if we drink too much milk, this is what happens. Uh, let me just show you quickly here. Now, that basically is a bone joint. And when you drink too much of the milk, your body does not simulate the, uh, all the calcium. What does it do? It comes out as comes out as bone spurs in the joints. And when people drink a lot of milk, and uh, like my wife always says, she'll go into a store, and if you would ask some of these older folks, how come you got two or three gallons of milk there? Well, I need my calcium. You know, that's a lot of calcium. And their body is not simulating like it used to. And so what happens, they drink it, and they may get some calcium, but what happens is they get bone spurs on the joints. And osteoporosis. Why? Because their body, their milk also is very high in protein. And when it hits the kidneys, what happens is it has to have a delicate balance of, uh, of uh, phosphorus and calcium in order to get rid of that protein. If you do not have enough of the phosphorus or the calcium, it leaches it out of the bone in order to process that, that protein in the kidneys. And so that's why we say, Stay away from the milk. Get your greens in smaller amounts. In, um, you can get them in these particular products. You can get it, collards is one of the highest. The only thing higher than that is a product called uh, uh, lamb's quarters. Anybody ever heard of lamb's quarters? We have a lot of it in the United States. You probably don't have it here. But uh, collards, turnip greens, kale. We eat a lot of kale. You can chop that up and put it in that potato olive green that we were talking about. Uh, broccoli. Uh, mustard greens, um, soy, uh, soybeans, pintos, garbanzos. Uh, they actually found that there's as much milk in one orange than there is in a cup of mother's breast milk. Now, that's quite a bit, isn't it? In one orange. So you can get it in oranges as well. Okay, uh, figs. Now, I'll tell you, figs is a whole food. It has just about everything you need. I mean, you can eat just figs, and let me tell you, you'll get almost all the nutrients you need in figs. Uh, half, uh, see, uh, dates, uh, apricots, raisins, prunes. I'm going over this in case you folks in the back can't see this. Um, soy beverages, uh, tofu uh, with calcium salts. Uh, let's see, uh, blackstrap molasses, tahini. And uh, tahini, yes, almonds. Uh, sweet potatoes, uh, we like to boil sweet potatoes or we put them in the oven as well, either way. Um, an orange, one medium orange, uh, one slice of bread. Let's see, what else we have there? And you measure, measure that up with the milk products and you find you get just as much calcium in these because these, you get all that calcium maybe in one, one uh, in milk or the milk products, but you get the calcium from all these other articles and you're going to eat more than one article there and uh, you'll find that your body will simulate the smaller amounts much better than uh, putting uh, uh, all that in your body at the same time.
Okay, now we can go to the next one. In molasses, I can't tell you. I wish I knew, but I don't That's know right off. Huh? It's not a screen. Oh, is it? okay. Want to put that on there? He wants to see how much in the milligram in the molasses. Okay, let's go to molasses here. Where was it? Uh, 137. Yeah, 137 milligrams in molasses. Okay. <clears throat> now, as we mentioned, sugar is also... Sure, go ahead. We spoke of sugar being, um, I just want to implement some of this in as far as the sugar. Now, we, we could be here all morning talking or all afternoon talking about sugar, but uh, I just want to touch on this just a little bit, and we're going to have lunch in just a moment. Uh, when you, uh, first of all, let's look at this here word phagocyte. Now, that is uh, part of the immune system that helps to destroy the bacteria and viruses and to eliminate some of the uh, uh, waste in the bloodstream. You have stationary uh, phagocytes and you have uh, free phagocytes that move throughout the bloodstream. Uh, now, the, this process down here of phagocytosis is the process of the phagocyte cell destroying a certain amount of bacteria. Now, each phagocyte will destroy 14 bacteria. Now, when you eat sugar, though, it lessens that. And we're going to show you what it does uh, see, the other one should be in there, I think, right after that. Yes, please. Now, uh, when you, the average uh, phagocyte uh, will destroy 14 bacteria, as you can see up there on the, on the top line. And that's when it's at full force and full strength. If you eat six teaspoons of sugar, it deletes the ability of that cell, that uh, T cell, to destroy. Uh, down to 25%. It reduces it 25% uh, ineffective. If you eat uh, 12 teaspoons of sugar, you find that uh, it lessens it 60%. Uh, 
and uh, 18 teaspoons of sugar, it lessens at 85%. And 24 teaspoons of sugar is 92%. Otherwise, that, that one particular cell can, is 92% less apt to be able to destroy bacteria. And uh, what I would like to ask you, when does most people come down with their colds or flus or whatever? When? On a holiday, don't they? Christmas? And why? Because we all have these good, sweet things that we're going to test out. And so consequently, we're, we have a lot of sugar content in us, and it lessens the ability for us to, uh, our body to destroy bacteria. Yes? Also, I found that in my experience, usually around just after Christmas, beginning of the new year, cancer scores increase. That's right. And what else? Heart attacks. You see, because fats and sugars, and they do, they do just exactly what we were told, saying a while ago, and if they have a heart problem or they are leaning into that, if they have that cancer virus, then it becomes manifested. It starts showing its ugly head. Okay, you can cancel that out. I see, I think uh, you can eliminate the cell one there. So, <clears throat> yeah, you can put that on there. <clears throat> <clears throat> Now, uh, I just wanted to elaborate on this just a little bit. Uh, a lot of health educators and a lot of doctors or scientists, sometimes they all come to a different conclusion of what, what is fruits and what's, what is vegetables. But uh, the biblical definition and uh, 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 some of the um, agriculturists and nutritionists uh, may come up with this particular type of answer. And this is what I wanted to share with you. They have the vegetables, which you see on the left side. I don't know if I, that can come in a little clearer or not. That might be a little clearer. You can see such things as potatoes, celery, uh, spinach, mustard, uh, lettuce, cauliflower, broccoli. Those things that fall into that vegetable category. The fruit category, it might fall into uh, uh, <clears throat> berries, uh, vine fruits, uh, melons, uh, uh, bananas, uh, fruit, pears, citrus, etc. They would fall into that category. And then they have what they call vegetable fruits that will mix with each either one. Now, everybody has to make their own choice in this area. We've made our choice, but everybody has to make their own choice. There's, uh, we do not, we do all we can. We don't try to mix our fruits and our vegetables, but there are some that you can mix with salads. And that is uh, peas, beans, squash, cucumbers, bell peppers, and tomatoes. I might add even olives uh, would fall into that category. Now, some people will not eat tomatoes in a salad because they claim it's fruit and vegetables. But, you know, those are decisions, and we must not make decisions for one another. But uh, we mustn't look at our brother's plate or in, that, in that direction. Let them figure that out for themselves. Let them work out their... Uh, listen to their own personal body language. All we're here to do is share and then let everybody else make, make their decisions on how they see that fit. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering in what category uh, rhubarb would fall. Okay, rhubarb, I, I wouldn't even eat rhubarb because it has oxalic acid in it and it's, um, it's very bitter. Do you ever eat rhubarb by itself? Very bitter, isn't it? And what's that tell us? Sour. It can't be too good. <laughs> yeah, the leaves are poisonous. And what happens, 
is that oxalic acid will block any calcium in your, in your system. It also causes kidney stones and uh, all, you know, kind of stones like that. Yeah. It's, um, it's not really a, a food food. It's not something <coughs> you can't do without it. Yeah. Yes. Very high in acid. Yeah. What do you say about that? Well, because God gave us uh, in our mouth, <coughs> May I make a suggestion here? Uh, we've taken class, I uh, put together classes on survival in the wilderness. And uh, one of the things that we point out is this. When you go out in the wilderness and you're not sure about the food that you see, but you need to have nourishment, and it, you see a berry or something of that sort, you take a bite, like two or three berries, you put them in your mouth and you chew them. If they're bitter, you spit them out. If they're not bitter, then you eat one and then swallow it. If you don't feel the effects, then you eat two or three and swallow it. And then if you don't feel any effects after 15, yeah, wait a while. And if you don't feel any effects after 15, 20, 30 minutes, then you know that you probably can eat that particular thing that's wild. But the key is this, to find out whether it's good or not is whether it's bitter. Because when it's bitter, nine times out of ten, it's potent or poison. So. Um, I don't know about Britain, but in Holland it said bitter in the mouth makes uh, it, it's good for the heart. It's yeah. expression. You know, oh, is that right? <laughs> well, uh, the Bible text too, it says sweet in the mouth and sour to the stomach. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's talking about the word of God too, you know. But Yes. Oh, lemon, I see. I said lemon is sour, but you say you should eat lemon. So where does the rule come in? Okay, what does the Bible say? What is our, is our food, our meat? Fruit. Fruit. Well, yeah, Fruit. I mean, but... You, I see. Because it's a vegetable and it's, it's sour, I mean, where does... You know, but, excuse me, lemon you could hold in your mouth and you could eat it with no ill effects. Try and take raw uh, rhubarb and eat a whole thing of it and see what the ill effects would be. I think the difference here is that there are four types of taste buds. The sweet, salt, sour, and bitter. You're talking sour, whereas you're talking bitter. And those are two different tastes. Yes. Oh, well, the fruit is sour and the other is bitter. Yes, yes. Yes, yeah, right. It's also the question of lemon juice. We use it a lot in salad dressing. Well, now, we know this. Lemon juice will aid. Now, you take people when they get up at a certain age, their body does not produce hydrochloric acid. I mean, not, it does produce it, but not as much as it did when they're younger. And you'll find they always recommend to aid the, the hydrochloric acid, to aid the digestion, 
to take just a little bit of lemon juice before the meal, about 20 to 30 minutes. And so uh, it's the worst, uh, less of two evils. Yes, go ahead. And it certainly is better than using the vinegar. And it really replaces vinegar very nicely. And, and after you put it into your salad dressings and what have you, it, it, it ceases to be bitter. Now, the, the amount that I use in tahini, you'll never hardly tell it. Maybe just a hint of lemon. So uh, it does have its good effects. Yes, I see a hand. Uh, I have a question about ginger um, salads. Leaves, lettuce, like dandelion leaves. Or um, the others as That makes two of us. <clears throat> well, if it's bitter, I'd say steer clear from it as much as you can. Steer clear from it as much. And everybody has to make a choice because we'll all come up against different situations. And uh, the Lord has to lead us in our own mind. when we. But you see, today is the day to start making choices. We can't start making them at the very end. We have to start making our choices today. I think I've seen a hand. In, in, uh, in, in what? Oh, yes, some of them might be, yes. But let me tell you, if we're fleeing in the wilderness, I'll tell you one thing, we won't have to chase a rabbit down. <laughs> yes, uh, which is the best one that's green? Which is the best one that's green? Olives. Uh, we like the ripe olives. Uh, we use the ripe olives. They're processed without uh, without vinegar. We call them green, but they're really sort of a brownish green.
Okay, there's one in the back here. I was just going to mention, I don't know if we've drifted from it, that uh, for me, when you're talking about those foods in the middle section, uh -huh. that there's some things that you had on your list there, which I don't mind at all, but I know that if I eat that with fruits or vegetables, <coughs> it gives me indigestion, mm -hmm. and I can taste it in my mouth for many hours afterwards. That's how I yes. know which yes. ones to avoid. Yes, that's what I say. And Spirit of Prophecy tells us to listen to our body language and see what bugs. That's what we're trying to say is let everybody make their own choice and listen to their body language and uh, the Lord will lead. I believe that the Holy Spirit will lead each man. Yes, Andrew. Um, Oh yes, absolutely. Much different in taste. And we're not advocating eating fruits and vegetables, friends. We're telling you not to eat them. But we're just saying there is a difference. There's a fruit, vegetable, fruit. But if it bothers you, don't eat it. You know, don't put that together. That's what we're trying to do is tell you, show you how you can eliminate a lot of the toxins from your system because the, the liver is a neutralizer. It is a manufacturing, it's a big uh, storage plant for minerals and nutrients and what have you. And so we're just trying to share some of the ways of eliminating that from your system. There's what in cucumber and lettuce? No, no, I've never heard that, but I have heard that, uh, uh, that you can lose, actually it takes more um, calories to, to uh, digest lettuce than it does, uh, than, the, than the lettuce has. I've heard that. But lettuce, by the way, lettuce, I was so shocked to find this at the Second International Congress on Vegetarianism, it also has a cancer protection in it. And so I used to think of it as non-essential or something that didn't have much Right. Okay. Oh, Anton. A uh, question and recommendation about raw vegetable juices. Like, you get lettuce, liquidizing with onion and all that, and it comes out very nice and it's very tasty as well. Yes, we should be eating a lot more raw foods because you see, a lot, a lot of times uh, people uh, contract cancer because they're not eating enough raw foods. Why? Because they're not getting enough enzymes. And uh, enzymes are very important for uh, the aiding and of digestion. And uh, that's why we recommend, that's why we at home in our everyday living, we like 
one cooked food and raw foods with a dressing of some sort uh, to go along with it. And if you do cook raw. your vegetables, you know, uh, steam them. Don't put them down in a lot of water. The less water you use, but use a steamer and don't steam them until they're mush. You know, keep them to where they have a little crunch to them. And then the enzyme will be there. Okay. okay. Oh, yes. Um, I enjoy having um, spinach when they're quite young in the salad. But I was actually told that it's not very good to have it that way. It's best to have it cooked. Well, actually, if you... See, spinach has oxalic acid in it, too, that blocks the calcium. Uh, uh, spinach, chard, and, and um, what we just talked about. Rhubarb. Rhubarb. It has oxalic acid, especially rhubarb, has the most. Uh, spinach is good for you, loaded with iron. But uh, I wouldn't be eating it all the time. Uh, if you eat it in a salad, you'll eat less. You follow me? When you eat, uh, eat it cooked, you're going to eat a lot more because it cooks way down. And so, yeah, spinach is good for you. It's, I just wouldn't make it a diet of every day because uh, it does block the, um, the don't calcium. Don't be looking at it for your calcium. Yes, yeah. don't look at it for the calcium. Yeah, it has a lot of iron. It has a lot of good nutrients, and it's a very good thing to eat raw or cooked. Yes. But, uh, and uh, Dr. Crane said he thinks that eating it raw might even be better because you can't eat enough of it to interfere with the calcium. Like you, when you eat it steamed, you can, you know, how it goes right down into just a little bit. It changes the chemistry and to so it. Yes, back there. I think probably because children need more calcium, and maybe this is what they, they realize, that it does block the calcium, but uh, uh, I don't think occasionally it's going to hurt a child, because they need the iron as well as the calcium. They, they will grow into that as they get older if, when they start realizing their need. You have some preference. So you need some greens, don't you? Because you most, children, greens. most you need, children will reject the greens. You need greens every single day. That's why if you put them in uh, soups or in the potato a la green or in uh, uh, maybe in your uh, spaghetti dishes or something, the children will get them. You can put them in other ways. Okay, you want to put that other one more? Oh, more? Where's that? Uh, oh, okay, Roy. Say, um, 
Uh, I would like to say one thing. Uh, many of you folks probably uh, buy barley green, or have you ever heard of barley green, or wheatgrass, that type of thing, yeah, which it has concentrated calcium and uh, concentrated um, uh, chlorophyll in it. Uh, if you don't, then maybe you're not interested in what I have to say, but a lot of people pay a lot of money for barley green. Is that correct? Any, any of you folks ever use it or heard of it? Okay. That's what I was going to say. Get you a flat like this, put your barley in there in some nice soil, mash it down, and put a little bit of soil over it, and just keep it in the sun and water it a little bit. Grow your own barley green. When it gets up about so high, just take a scissors and cut it off and make a green drink with it. And it just keeps growing. You know, it may come to a point where it'll stop growing as much, but then, or you can dry it and, and uh, maybe put it in a blender and blend it up into a powder and put it in a jar. But you can grow your own. You don't have to pay tons of money for barley green. Just grow it, and when it gets up so high, that's when it has all the uh, concentrated nutrients in it, when it's young and tender and is about so high. You can cut it off with a scissor, and it'll keep growing. So it's just a suggestion. Even in the wintertime, uh, it'll grow inside because in the winter times when you need some of those greens because you can't get them all the time on the outside. Let me give you another excellent source of greens. It's a uh, young radish top. It makes a delicious salad. It's very good steamed with a little salt and vinegar on it. I'll eat lemon juice. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do uh, vinegar. Anyway, um, with lemon juice on it, it's, it's very high in calcium and it grows. Um, almost year-round, you can have it growing around your house. It's nice to tuck it in flower gardens. Don't worry about the radish, but get the greens. And uh, my husband and I, we started out with a young radish top, like they suggested. But now we like them whether they're young or old because it's just a very, very delicious, mild flavor. Very now I've heard pros and cons about uh, about sprouting. Actually, when you sprout, <clears throat> the uh, nutrients are concentrated in the seed. That's what makes it come up. <clears throat> but I have heard that some people say that it isn't good for you. But now I've never seen any documentation to that effect at all. And uh, if there is some, I'd be glad to look over it or, or take a second look at it. But as far as I'm concerned, until there is something of that sort, uh, sprouts are concentrated, you know, with the beans. And you can uh, sprout beans and peas and all those things and put them right in your salad. You can do that. Or you can take and sprout the beans and then cook them. Some people do that and, uh, to have less gas as well. They sprout the beans, and then after they start sprouting, they put them in a pot and cook them. Just you can do it that way. Just when they break a little bit, just as it yeah. uh, breaks a little bit, the sprout, <clears throat> it makes it a much more nutritious bean. Yes, because then it brings all the nutri nutrients to the surface there. So, uh, For what that's worth, Roy. Yes, uh, you want to put that last one. I don't think we have any more. I just want to just briefly go over this. Uh, basically, uh, we have the benefits of vegetarianism, uh, a diet. Lower serum cholesterol, uh, absolutely. A total vegetarian does not have the cholesterol problem. Now, myself, it used to run uh, up close to 200. Today, it runs around 120 to 130. So I know that it does bring it down when you make those changes. Now, um, less, uh, one third risk of heart, uh, developing heart disease. I'd like to say this, it's more than that. A good 50% at least, if you're following the whole plan. Because diet is not the total part of it. 
diet and exercise. They have to go together. When God said he put man in the garden in Genesis, but he put him in there for what reason? To dress it and keep it to eat the food, didn't he? Uh, he was going to eat the food, but he had to dress it. And after sin came in, he had to work up a field, work up sweat to get out the toxin. So uh, he uh, did that for a reason, exercise and food. They have less uh, high blood pressure because they have not the fats that are clogging up the system. Less obesity. There's one thing about this program, friends. It comes from God. And uh, you remember when Jesus went from city to city and he healed the sick and the lame and what have you. How many diseases did he heal? All. All, wasn't it? And it's a strange, whether we believe it or not, it's strange. It's a mystery maybe. But this particular diet, this particular program, it affects every disease to some effect. Every disease. I've seen it happen over a period of years. Uh, high, lower calories, higher fiber, and this is why they're healthier, why they have less problems, because of the higher fiber and lower calories. Uh, you can eat and uh, eat and eat, but when you eat a vegetarian meal, you don't have as much problem, as a rule, with the, the uh, weight problem. Okay, uh, lower incidence of cancer, and I would say almost none. As you've seen down there a while ago when they took that survey, they, uh, total vegetarians had 9% where the average person had 50 and more percent. Uh, less osteoporosis, uh, because we need uh, less calcium. We don't need all the calcium that people are eating today, uh, drinking, because uh, they're getting calcium from the food and drinking the calcium, getting the calcium from the milk, and in turn, it is high protein, which is leaching more calcium out of the bone. And that, therefore, vegetarians have less osteoporosis, <clears throat> fewer bowel problems, because they have less bowel obstructions and built up of mucus, or uh, uh, they don't have the problems of digesting the meat. Meat is very hard to digest, less expensive. So we can see some of the benefits of being a vegetarian. Well, I think that we've probably uh, had an answer and question period before we even got to that last overhead. And uh, I'm not quite sure. They're probably just about ready. But we can just break up, and uh, maybe uh, you can just kind of stir around a little bit. But before we do, why don't we just uh, have grace, okay? Okay, let's just have grace for just a moment <clears throat> and uh, be prepared to eat our meal. In fact, uh, could you uh, let the folks in there know that we're going to have grace to... Okay, shall we just bow our heads for a moment, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to come together once again today. We know this is the final day, but Lord, you've blessed us with our fellowship with one another, and Lord, we just realize that you have a message in preparing a people to have better health, to have a happier life, not only in thy kingdom, but even right here on this earth. And so we just want to thank you and praise your name for the message that you have given us. We ask now that as we partake of the food that you've provided today, that you will bless it and sanctify it and give us nourishment and strength. And please direct our lives, Lord, in making right decisions that it might fall in harmony with your will. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen.